for Relay FM. This is the Pen Addict episode 392. Today's show is brought to you by Warby Parker and Express VPN. My name is Mike Curley. I'm joined by Brad Dowdy. Hi, Brad Dowdy. Hello, Mike Curley. How are you today? I'm good. I'm not going to lie. I forgot what to say. Mm, it was a little bit. I could tell you kind of caught yourself there a little bit. You know, yep. I'm not sure I'm what not was sure going on. I'm not sure if I forgot my own name. Mm. Or if I just wasn't sure where I was, but something happened and I took a momentary gap and now I've addressed it publicly. Mm, yeah, I think it was probably the latter. I'm surprised you haven't, you know, said and welcome to Connected or however you introduce that show or whatever. I don't know. Steven may introduce it. I'm showing my lack of Steven knowledge of the rest of your now. platform. <laughs> he used. I used to introduce it. I think the only show that I intro now, like I intro this one, is Upgrade. Only Upgrade and the pen added to get these, like, from Relay FM introductions, mm. is my understanding. The, the All the other shows, from my benefit, actually, from what I do, they start in different ways. It's like, so I mm. start in different ways, so... I can only really confuse it with upgrade, but I, I would it would have to be a weird day for me to think I was recording upgrade <laughs> at this time. True, true, true. Well, I feel either very special or very not. So one of the two. You should feel special. Like I mm. said this before, I'll say it again. My, like you are like my longest collaborator in life. Mm-hmm. Like the special. longest relationship that I've had, consistent relationship with someone outside of my family is you. Nice. I like no. it. I know. I love this. I love this uh, relationship that we have. I love the relationship we have with our listeners. I love our podcast, Mike. I love doing this every week. It's like my favorite. Mm-hmm. Because, Mike, I get to talk about pens and make fun of them when they do stupid things. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> so last week, we talked about the Platinum Curidos, and that became a whole thing uh, after the show, Mike, that was that was an enjoyable uh, day for me after we uh, after we discussed the Platinum Curidos, which we will follow up on momentarily. But it reminded me, and then a post this um, past week on the blog Chronicas Estilofilographicas, uh, don't quote me on that, um, reminded me that there is another new retractable pen coming on the market this week, and it is the Pilot Capless LS. Um it may sound familiar, Mike. It may look familiar to Pilot Vanishing Point and Capless users. Capless is the uh, Japanese name for the what we call the Vanishing Point here in the states. And it's like one of the only times where there's a worse name in Japan. <laughs> right, I I agree. I agree. For some reason, the the Capless was I think that was the original name, and it's just kind of stuck through. But they've morphed it into a better name as you say uh the vanishing point is a really really good name but what they've done mike is they've kind of mashed up the traditional vanishing point i'm just going to call it that for sake of my sanity um the click mechanism of the vanishing point right you know it's got a big thud click which i think is a feature and then the fermo which is a retractable twist mechanism pin from pilot that really never took off right it's a good pen it costs more than the vanishing point how they do didn't you come spell out with that f-e-r-m-o f-e-r-m-o okay cool i thought that this one doesn't bring a bell for me at all they've really never pushed it it's a higher standard price point than the vanishing point and it's a good pen it just never got the hype that the vanishing i point know did, this pen right? yeah yeah yeah, so it's got the longer extended kind of faceted um, twist mechanism on the back end of the pen. Otherwise, it generally looks like the whole front end looks like a vanishing point for the most part. It's a little bit different shape, a little bit sleeker, but longer. So anyway, good pen never really hit that marketing sweet spot um, that the vanishing point did. So the new Capless LS, I guess, is trying to be both. And I'm not sure that they have succeeded in any Get way, you a shape, pen or that form. Can do both, Brad. <laughs> um, number one, I don't know what's going on with the design. So it's basically take your existing vanishing point and remove the knock 
mechanism and integrate a twist, a different type of twist mechanism. It's almost like a lever twist. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a push, a, a tab twist, I guess, if you will, like a push tab, right? You rotate the tab, you know, a quarter or a halfway around to deploy the mechanism. I, I really don't understand how the mechanism of this pen works. I've looked at this picture a bunch of times. I've read the explanation that you've put in the document. I've heard what you just said, and mm-hmm. I'm still not completely sure how you activate this pen because it mm-hmm. looks like it has both a knock and a twisting mechanism and i cannot <laughs> so the, fathom how it works the biggest problem i have with the pen is the visual design of it so let me let me read what i put in i i copied this bit from the marketing translated of course through our friends at google translate and i wanted to read this uh these couple of sentences to you because it's it's fascinating The new Capless LS is a fountain pen equipped with a newly developed knock and twist type that retains the features of the Capless type that can be quickly written with one knock like a knock type ballpoint pen. When knocking out the pen tip and turning the knob just below the knocking part to store the pen tip, there is no knocking or knocking sound realizing a smooth and quiet operation (laughs) feeling. It's brilliant. I'm so pleased that you read that because now it's all cleared up for me. Right. I mean, I, I don't know what else you need from me at this point, Mike. What about the knocking twist type? What knocks when you twist a knock type? Does that twist when you twist a type type knock? I mean, it's not fair to criticize yes, what Google Translate is saying. It's but, not. You know, because that pilot is, has specifically not given an English press release yet. So, like, when they do, it will be great. But, like, uh, that it is mind-numbingly confusing to try and work out what's happening from the translation nor is there an internal drawing of the pen right there's we don't see the internals we just see the externals um i don't like how it looks right it's it's fine it's not an ugly pen but the vanishing point is so integrated into what pilot does and this is so close visually with these little you know like the 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 connection in the middle of the pin where you twist it apart, right? It's different. I think it's uglier, but it's different. You know, they made that design different. And then the, the, the knock twist area or the twist fake knock area, um, is obviously visually different, but I don't think it's improved in any way, shape or form. The biggest problem though, Mike is the cost. So vanishing points generally run through your basic, Vanishing point runs around 150 US dollars, I think. I hadn't even looked at them. Between 140 and 160, I think. This is not offering you very much more besides a twist, and it's 322 US dollars, 35,000 yen. I don't understand. Do you think it's because it's like a new thing and the, the mechanism is unnecessarily complicated? I don't. I think they've probably done something with the Fermo mechanism and maybe surely had to modify it. And the Fermo is already more expensive, but there is a price jump level that this seems kind of not, outrageous here. It just this doesn't a big look jump. like a $300 pen. It just doesn't. Yeah. It actually looks cheaper than both of the other pens like it, it does it doesn't look as good as the fermo and it doesn't look as good as the vanishing point plus nobody mm-hmm. knows how to use it yet <laughs> <laughs> come on mike you just twist you just turn the knob to knock it oh right it's a knock and twist mm. type pen that retains the features of a capless type because it can be quickly written with one knock like a knock type ball pen of course i mean get it straight <laughs> what's wrong with me well knocking out the pen type and turning the knob just below the knocking part to store the pen tip there is no knocking or knocking sound it's just realizing a smooth and quiet operation feeling <laughs> that was totally worth reading again. <laughs> so yeah, I this is this is a price problem more than a, de- a design problem, I think. So we'll see. Yeah. I'll be anxious to see it in person. Once we see get what it feels the like press materials. We will have a better understanding of how this pen actually works. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, I didn't I didn't check for a date in in that release. Um, there may be one in there, but I did I didn't think of uh, checking for that. So I don't know when it's coming. So I would assume this is if this is coming out now. I'd assume this is probably a spring type release. So on our we'll last see. episode, we spoke about the Platinum Curidas, right? And mm-hmm. we played a game of the pricing. I said thirty dollars. You said what did you say? Seventy. 
I said between I said I think I said sixty five. I think I'm. I think I said oh, between sixty. I said I. I said I think I said my mm-hmm. guess is sixty. I wouldn't be surprised if it was eighty. I think okay. was my my guess. Well, the the new platinum retractable pen is priced at seven thousand yen, which is about sixty five dollars. Mm-hmm. So I so, feel yeah. like I should now buy you one as your prize. <laughs> That's what. I, so when they become available, I'm going to buy you a platinum Curadus because you are the winner. Yeah, so these started popping up on Rakuten now, which mm-hmm. means they're really close to being sold. So that's like the global marketplace, you yeah. know. Not, I don't. How would you describe Rakuten? I, I call it the global marketplace because that's their marketing. But I guess it's kind of Amazon for the rest of the world. Would you say like outside yeah, the US, Amazon, like Alibaba, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Rakuten, so, I wouldn't say it's like Amazon. It's closer to Alibaba because yeah, you could just yeah, get like a bunch of weird stuff on Rakuten. Yeah, as yeah, well. yeah. But it's individuals, it's almost storefront ish, mm-hmm. right? For individual sellers, and they're starting to pop up. The um, Curidos, I think it was, I think it was maybe around $60 on Rakuten, but I didn't see the ship dates on that. But that means it's coming really, really soon if they're starting to pop up on there. Okay. Um, I'm, I, yeah, I'm very anxious to try this pen just because, like, this is a whole new realm for them i mean they've done retractable pens back in the 60s or 70s you know trying to get into the capless hotness you know that that pilot had going on and no one's been able to compete with that at all so this is good they're not trying to compete with that this is a completely separate you know it's it's of course competing in the retractable fountain pen but it's not competing in the price point style design or anything i mean i think a lot of people will probably think this pen is ugly but i think there's kind of a kind of a joyous thing to it and i'm anxious to see the size of it right because it's supposed to be smaller we have some real-time follow-up in the chat room from mm-hmm. connor there mm-hmm. is a website uh kobe nagasawa is the, the web address they have a video of the Capless ls in okay. operation oh god okay so we can actually see how the mechanism works i guess so I'm looking okay. at it right now. Uh, it is a. It looks, looks very different. It, the knock is much much larger because it really yeah. sticks out, kind of like the Curidas. Honestly, but the knock twists in. This is actually this makes it worse. <laughs> what is the tw- what is the twisting supposed to do? So when you press the knock down, mm-hmm. the twisting mechanism kind of spins around. And then you can, but you can also use the twist to retract it. Is so, this necessary? Do we need this? No, like, because why it's is the this same, happening? It's this. It's basically why not have both? I I think the idea, Brad, mm. here is that it is a it is a vanishing point that doesn't make a noise. Yeah, that's no, what no, no, that's going the marketing. For. Yeah, but yeah. like now I see it, I get the what they're doing. Like that is all it is, and it is way thicker than a <laughs> it looks like than a vanishing point as well <laughs> to house this mechanism. So it's effectively just as you push the knockdown, this little cuff just spins around, which you can then also use to re- to like so you have a choice. Mm-hmm. That is wild. Yes. Yeah, so we weren't clear on why this pins. It- pen exists because it was just too funny to read the other things about it it exists to make the vanishing point quiet that is the marketing of this pen it is the luxury silence vanishing point um so taking away the vanishing point's best feature right a lot of people which is how satisfying the knock is it's one of the best if not the best so apparently this is a problem for people to thud their vanishing point in a meeting or something so they need one that costs twice as much just so it's silent so like my feeling is like sure like people want things and they want different things and they want choice but it's like two to three times more expensive and i just don't know if it's worth that yep i mean i my hope would be that pilot know their customers better than we do Otherwise, this is just like a really weird thing to make. Yeah. Maybe this is going to be just one of those big in Japan things that just doesn't, you know, translate outside that market. Mm-hmm. All right. Today's show is brought to you by Warby Parker. Warby Parker was founded by four friends of a rebellious spirit and a lofty goal to create boutique quality eyewear at a revolutionary price point by allowing you to buy your glasses online. They also created the Home Try-On program. You order five pairs of glasses, you try them on for five days with no obligation to buy. You pick the frames that you like the look of, they're sent to you in a box, the shipping is free, and it includes a prepaid return shipping label as well. So it's super easy for you to try 
these frames on your face. You can try them on with your clothes, right? Like how are they going to look on you? If you go to warbyparker.com slash penaddict, you can take their quiz and order your free home try-ons today. Warby Parker glasses start at $95, and that includes prescription lenses with anti-glare and anti-scratch coatings. I am a big fan of Warby Parker because I have a pair of their glasses on my face. I've been wearing some Warby Parker frames since April of this year, and I absolutely love them. Uh, It was the exact style that I've been looking for and couldn't find like a really thin uh, metal frame. Um, and I am so happy with them. Uh, I, as I said, I got them in April and I've been wearing them ever since. The home try-on is like just a really, really great thing to do. Like You can look at pictures of glasses and stuff like that, but understanding how they sit on your face is a big thing. And I understand it can be a blocker for some people if they think about buying glasses online. But this brings you the price benefits of buying glasses online and the conv- and the convenience of having them shipped to your home with the idea of going into a store and trying them on your face. You actually get all of it. Um, I think it's fantastic. Um, Warby Parker also now have something called Scout. Scout by Warby Parker is comfortable, breathable, and affordable daily contact lenses. They are made from a super moist material that resists drying for lasting hydration and comfort. You can order a trial pack that includes six days worth of contacts for just $5. Then you get $5 off your next Warby Parker order as well. So, like... It's a pretty great deal. You can learn more about all of this at warbyparker.com slash penaddict. That is warbyparker.com slash penaddict. Our thanks to Warby Parker for their support of this show and Relay FM. I too have Warby Parkers on my face right now. Yeah, you do, because you look good. <laughs> Speaking of looking good, Mike. Okay, what we got? How about this Twisby Eco Tea in mint blue? Remind me the Eco Tea. Yeah, so this is part of the conversation. So the Eco T is the more molded grip Twisby Eco model. So the Twisby Eco standard model has these three little nubbin (laughs) plastic bits Mm -hmm. at the end of the grip section to kind of shape where you should hold the pen. But they're very kind of small and they're out of the way. Um, They don't really... I guess they do help because, like, when I clean my Ecos, I remove the nib and the feed, and I always have to hold it in the proper place so one of the little uh, plastic triangles fits in between, like, my thumb and my forefinger. So, you know, it's not out of alignment when I put it back in. The Eco T is has a little bit more of a shape. Not quite Lamy Safari molded grip shape, but it's a little bit more than the standard eco and i actually prefer the t grip style the eco t um because it's my grip is standard and it's not too much in the way right it's just a a little bit i haven't tried those well they do they don't do the same colors in the t's which is why i wanted to bring this mint blue one up as i bring up look at all the the eco t's they tend to do more of a pastel color range than the traditional you know, color ranges that the Eco does. The Eco will have orange and green and pink and purple. The Eco T has mint blue and coral. So you can tell they're in a little bit different range. They also have clear. And I got in the first one that came out was a kind of a bright blue. I don't even know the name of it. That's been my, my favorite one that's mm-hmm. come out so far. But anyway, I wanted to point this out so we could talk about the second Twisby Eco. Um, the mint blue Eco T is out now. But in the standard Eco, Mike, they're just about to launch the Twisby Eco Rolls Gold. And I wanted to get your opinion on this in a lot of a lot of aspects. Number one, the aesthetic and style of it. Number two, and I think more importantly, is the price point. So the normal Ecos run between $28 and $30. This one with the Rose Gold finish is $50. So what are your thoughts just overall on the the white and rose gold eco that's coming soon. I have no problem with uh, slapping some higher quality materials on the Tusby Eco and selling it for more money. Like mm-hmm. the Tusby Eco is a fantastic pen. I love it. So from my perspective, make a luxury version. Like why not? Right. Like because mm-hmm. it's still a choice. If you don't want to pay the the fifty dollars for the rose gold one, we'll just get like. The blossom red one for twenty nine, right? Right, like right. it's your, it's a choice. But I, I have no problem with this because I, 
I think it looks fantastic, especially that they put a rose gold plated nib on it. Um, I think that that's like a great thing that they did. Like the it's it's a rose gold plated steel nib, so it's not a gold nib. But my point is like they kept the design. It wouldn't have looked mm. so good if they had a steel nib on this pen. But I think sure. that this is like this to me is like that is an excellent gift. Like I I think that is a is a great looking pen. They did so well with this. I want to argue about the price, but I can't. Like it, they did a good job. the The thing that I always think about is like, okay, well, how does this work in the bigger picture product lineup, and what does it hold for the future of the product lineup? Right, those are the things I can't help think about when I see this pen at this price point, where you've just plated the hardware and charged me twenty dollars more for it. So you're paying the design like, premium, like. That's what that I, is. Yeah, I'm. I, 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 I can't argue with it. I want to. I want to fight this pen, but I can't. <laughs> I want to fight somebody about the way this pen, the style and the price point of this pen, but I just can't because I think they did a good job with it. Because let's face it, and the the drum I've banged for years is the eco is so far underpriced for what it is to begin with. What are you gonna do? That's what. Right? That's my feeling, right? That like typically this pen is a uh, lower price pen, right? Mm-hmm. But for what is a higher quality. Like we said that many times. Like the Tusby Eco sums up it is like the culmination of a lot of work that they did. Uh right. you know? So I think that this is perfectly fine to you know, you could bump the price up a little bit more and it's like a fair mm-hmm. price for the Eco, but then you put some extra style on it, charge a little bit more. You have the option. They're not like completely changing the line. I think it's fine. I think they're going to have to redo the 580 lineup almost from scratch at this point. Because mm-hmm. we're getting, we're creeping into it. You know, that's what I'm looking at, right? We're creeping mm-hmm. into the, the 580. And I think that needs to be moved up in conjunction with what we're starting to see from the eco they've been so successful with this pen i just think they need to they're gonna have to change the 580 somehow in the Mm -hmm. next year or two um so they're not cannibalizing their own product line so i I look into it a little bit like that but this is a great looking pen like i i'm not a rose gold person necessarily so like i won't buy this pen but i love it it's it's fantastic looking all right there's a couple, these next couple items didn't necessarily need to make the show because I don't know that they're like super newsworthy type of things, but I always find the Pelican Edelstein Ink of the Year um, to be interesting, an interesting choice. And this came out back at like a month ago and we just hadn't had time to speak about it. And I think if it was more interesting, I would have jammed it in a show earlier. But this year's color is Moonstone, and it's gray. It's hard to be excited about gray as a color, right? I think. But like, this is the conversation I have with myself. I was like, well, that's boring. We don't need to discuss it. And, you know, it's been out, like the news has been out for a month. The ink hasn't come out yet. It'll come out soon, in the next couple months, I'm guessing. Um, but then I, the more I thought about it is like, well, I haven't seen it in person. You know, I'll withhold judgment till then. And the Edelstein always makes great colors. You know, the one they did a couple years ago, was it Topaz? That one wasn't so so great of a color, but Moonstone kind of falls in line with that. It's hard to top some of the best colors that they've picked recently, like Star Ruby and Aquamarine, which, like, you just can't, sometimes you just can't beat a really nice purple or something like that, right? A really bright blue, and then you come out with black. It's like, what are you going to do? So gray is a really difficult color to do right. So I'm kind of anxious to see how Pelican handles it. And I think what's going to be really neat is if they do a Moonstone acrylic M205 with um, chrome rhodium trim. Like that might get me interested. Like I don't know what it is about this ink. Again, like the price point on the ink eco. It's like I want to talk bad about this ink, like because it's boring. It's like, oh come on, you know, Pelican, you can do better. It's like, well, they do really good all the time, and not every ink is like sky blue, right? You have to mix it up and change things around. 
I'm kind of anxiously positive awaiting this ink, despite my initial thoughts of, boy, this is going to be crazy boring. You I know, think it's gray. It's never going to be Star Ruby. Like, you know, like... This is why I don't want to be a retailer, right, of, like, all the products because right. some products I don't like and I'm going to have to sell them, right? That's why I or don't like, want to sell all you know, the things. You're given an opportunity of, like, okay, they, they want to give me this to sell it, but, like, I don't know if I can. Right. 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 So I'm more interested in the 205 that's going to come out, hopefully, with this. Um, I haven't bought a 205 in a long time. And if it's gray and like chrome trim and, you know, we'll see, I have to see what the colors look like. Mm. I might be interested in that because I think that's a cool, that's a cool look, you know, um, you can get any pen in black and chrome and black and gold, but I think this is, uh, this is good. I, I am, uh, moderately anxious to see what this is in person. It could be bad. We'll see. Gray is not an easy for all the colors that are hard to produce. Gray is at the top of the list, in my opinion. It's hard to get gray right because so many other colors end up showing up in that. And uh, if they do it right, it could it, this could do well. So we'll see. I think Anxiously it's funny awaiting. that it's like we start talking about the ink, but you're more like interested in talking about the prospect of a potential <laughs> pen. Because <laughs> they always go hand in hand, right? Those are like it's like a combo meal, right? They have they done an ink of the year without of pen in like the past five years. I don't think they have, I don't know, man. you know, I mean, I'm not looking at it, but almost every like star Ruby, Topaz, Aquamarine. Um, I'm trying to go back further. Aubergine. Was that one of them? I don't know. Yeah. They've all had, they've all had two Oh fives with them. And, uh, I'll, I'll, I'm anxious to see what that looks like. Next one to continuing our theme of maybe it should be in the document. Maybe it shouldn't is a random tweet that I saw of a product neither one of us will ever own nor likely even want, but I thought I would put it in there because for a bigger conversation around customization of pens. And I don't mean pens that manufacturers are making in very custom designs to sell on limited editions. And I don't mean people like, you know, uh, Jonathan Brooks and Brian Gray making, you know, custom acrylics and shapes and things. I mean, people taking... In this case, a Lamy Safari aftermarket and essentially airbrushing it into like customs that they re- then resell. What do you think, number one, about these pens and number two, about the idea of this type of customization? I think they're beautiful. Right? I think they're like really lovely. Because like, this is they good are work. Not, you're but, not losing the Lamy Safari-ness of the Lamy Safari. Right. Right? It still looks like one, but it's doing some custom work that that like Lamy should do stuff that looks like this. Yeah, like I love the aftermarketness of it. Mm-hmm. Like what like um Bungbox was selling, I forget who was making the Kakunos, which is Pilot's one of Pilot's entry level pens. They have a clear barrel Kakuno and they were putting like little topiary scenes in the bottom of them like like little grass little mushroom you know that kind of sit in there and then like painting on the barrel i love this stuff Mm -hmm. like i don't like i don't want any of these pens right i have no desire to like jump through the hoops to try to acquire one of these pens but like if i ran across a shop that had one of these yeah, maybe i'd check them out and maybe pick one up just to have this type of custom artwork and i think we're going to see not that we're not seeing enough of this already but i think we're just mm-hmm. continue to see more of this like in the market right like i i think it's cool um i have no idea how much one of these would cost what would you guess one of these cost it had to be over like 100 usd right 100 150 but that's what i would assume yeah about 150 yeah just because it's not just like your basic slap it on artwork there's like gradients and and finishes on there the funniest thing which was pointed out to me on twitter after i retweeted this why do they take all the pictures with the the safety cardboard in the middle of the barrel every time maybe my thought was if you're trying to sell these Mm -hmm. it's to show that no one's used them i guess so it shows that they're like unused still I don't know. I guess, but like in the product photography, like in I the, don't know, man. <laughs> it was I didn't even it, it I didn't even notice it until uh, Evan pointed that out, and I was like, "Huh, yeah, <laughs> they're all in there, aren't they?" <laughs> That's kind of weird. 
<laughs> but yeah, it, it I, it's got to be to show that hey, these are new pins that yeah. we have we have placed this artwork on, and uh, yeah, there's that. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting to talk about because the quality is pretty high. Like uh, that's what caught my eye the most is that the quality without seeing it in person, you never know what it looks like. Um, but just these pictures make them look the quality look pretty high. So very interesting. Going on a trip next week, Mike. Oh, yeah? You want to go? Where are you going? <laughs> Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, United okay. States of America. You want to go? That's not a far flight for you. I'm, Just come on. I am otherwise engaged, but it mm, sounds like a fun okay, time. Okay. Philly Pin Show next week, January 17th through 19th. I will be there, and I will be doing nothing, mostly. Um, this is my goal. One of my goals I set last year was in 2020 to go to a pin show just to go like without working without you know having to you know do different things be responsible for different things and and um just go to a show take the show in you know hang out with friends you know look at the classes look at you know spend time with the vendors and just see what going to a show is all about so i'm finally i made that happen with the first pin show of the year and a pin show that I've never been to that I've always wanted to go to. So it's like a double whammy of goodness, Mike. I cannot wait to get to the show. So um, if you're going to be in Philly, definitely say hi if you see me. I won't be in any particular place. I won't have a not-co table to come say hi. But I'll be around Friday and Saturday. I'll leave pretty early Sunday. Like I won't be going to the show Sunday. But uh, Friday, Saturday, I'll be around. I am... I did commit to one event, Mike, already. I'm going to do the um, the pin mixers, which I have hosted many times in the past. I will be actually a uh, a table host this time, so I'll get to sit and um, be hang out at a table Saturday night. So that should be fun, new experience for me. So I'm just looking forward to going to a pin show to go to a pin show. It's going to be kind of weird, I think. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to poke through any of the Philly Pin Show links, but the classes that they're offering, the seminars, are pretty much all run by Aziza and Salman from the Toronto Pin Company, and they are wild, awesome classes, like like three hour calligraphy classes and mm. pilot parent parallel, you know, customization classes. Like it's some really cool stuff. So definitely oh, check some different, out if you're going. Some different yeah. things in there, which is nice. So like, even if you have been to pen show classes before, there's probably going to be something different. Totally, totally. And I love seeing that, like they're bringing like the Toronto pen company, which is their, their company, just like, they're just for education. Like it's an education type of thing, like where they're committing to like all these classes, like throughout the weekend. It's pretty wild. I've never seen like the full scope of classes that I've seen, um, seen anyone put on like this. So I think it's really neat. So y'all look at that and I'm definitely going to look at that see if I can figure out which one of these might be good for me to take. So it'll be cool. So yeah, it's, uh, it's pin show season, Mike. So it's starting next week and it's going to be a good year. 2020. I'm feeling it. Atlanta's just like approaching. It's, it's too feel, soon. I feel the pressure of the pen, <laughs> the Kickstarter campaign already. Yeah, and we haven't even spoken about it yet. Nope, nope. <laughs> I actually have a note here that it's like, oh yeah, I need to follow up on that thing and mm. do that thing. So I will be actively pursuing that the rest of the week <laughs> because we need to move on that. Like yesterday, it, it's like we can't do it in December. Like we can't start it before January. But then, well, we it can, just has to happen. But we, we just can't. don't. <laughs> I mean, we have the. I mean, we have the idea. We know where we're going and doing. Yeah. Yep. But like the technical aspects of yes. it, we've picked the shows. Um, well, the show mm-hmm. we've picked them. The show. And we the know show. the yeah. benefits. Atlanta is one of them. Always, we know the benefits, mm. the goals, and stuff. So we, we've got, we've got the component pieces are all out in the in the yeah. ether. We just got to bring yeah. them all together. The the execution uh, has to. Mm-hmm. has to go has to get get ramped up um i did ramp up the <laughs> the uh the purge and update of the pen friends page on the pen Addict website this past week uh along with the top five list it's been a page that's needed updating what i tried to do with this list is just share everybody who wants to be shared on this list there's blogs there's retailers there's youtubers um, there's makers and it's gotten like 
I could add so much more stuff to this. It's making me think I want to break it down into those types of categories instead of just having like a full running yeah, alphabetical better. list where like, you know, Pen Chalet sits next to, you know, Penquisition or something like that. You know, yep. it's like we can break out the blogs from the retailers and the YouTubers, you know, from the custom makers and things like that. Just and like the pot like I added all the podcasts on there, right? Mm-hmm. Like I never had links to any of the other podcasts. Like those are all on there now, but they're intermixed into the thing. So I think that's the next um, step is to break it out a little bit more because there's a lot more that needs to be added to the list. And I'm pointing this out because if you want to be added to the list, if you have a pin blog, a pin business, a pin anything, I want to put you on the list. So tweet at me, email me. Um, I'm easy to get. You can find me. Send me your info. I'll add it to the list because uh, I'm. I, I just want to spread as much i don't want it to be like the 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 go-to cataloging of all the pin content out there in the world but i just want it to be like a cool place to say hey i want to find something new today go find something on this list and click it and see what you find last bit of tidbit before we have a slew of ask tba to get to mike the stationary wiki our friends Matthias and Alexander, who do such a good job over there, they have extended their Mechanical Pencil Day contest, which started at the end of uh, end of 2019. It's running through the end of January 2020, and there is a package of mechanical pencils that Cult, Cult Pens has offered as a winner to this contest. In this contest, all you have to do is go update or create a wiki page on the wonderful Stationary Wiki, which is a great resource out there for all of your stationary needs and it's a great collaborative effort you know it takes the community to update wiki pages if you're not familiar or don't know how to do it they explain that on the site on how to update or create any new wiki pages you wanted and i think i'm gonna go do something for mechanical pencil day myself mike yep. i think to i have win, some entries to win the competition the page that you have to update or create has to be related to mechanical pencils in some way Yes. Yeah. And it's easy. Like you don't have to create all new content. You can find a product you like and add a tidbit to that page and make it better. So it'd be very cool for you to go check that out and uh, check out and use and and be a part of Stationary Wiki. And uh, it's very cool. So thanks to them for doing this. Just uh, it's a great resource and I'd love to help continue building it out. All right, today's episode is also brought to you by ExpressVPN. We know that a VPN can protect your privacy and security online, but it can also help out with your TV watching as well by helping to unlock movies and shows that are maybe available in other countries on the services that you use. So, for example, you could use ExpressVPN to binge on Doctor Who or Star Trek. It's on UK Netflix. It's super simple. Just fire up the ExpressVPN app, change your location to the UK, refresh Netflix, and that's it. Because ExpressVPN hides your IP address so you can control where you want sites to think that you're located. And you can choose from almost 100 different countries. So just think about all of the stuff that is blocked for you that you might be able to get to. You know, services you pay for. Maybe even this is the thing uh, with GDPR, right? So like a bunch of websites, instead of com- like a, actually going with GDPR guidelines, like the European privacy guidelines, they just cut off access to Europe. So it's just like, that's great. There's an article that I want to read and I can't read it because I'm <laughs> located in, in Europe. So great. Uh, maybe... I, have a story. I have a story. I'm raising okay. my hand. I'm raising my Go hand. On. So I was thinking about this last time, right? So I'm into the football now, right, Mike? You are. So the big, big soccer fan into the footy. Um, and so I subscribe to like the, the packages in the U.S. to watch all the games that I can for the Premier League, which is on NBC Sports. Well, sometimes I'm not home or some of the matches aren't available, or there's something crazy going on. So I was like, oh, there's got to be, like in the U.S., like you can get the foot, the the NFL, the American football feeds on the radio, right? There's radio channels that have, you know, local games, whatever. That's like, there's there has to be soccer radio available. And I downloaded the BBC app for BBC Radio. Um, channel 5 is their sports channel. So... I started listening to like the pregame of one of the matches because I don't have always a a TV screen in front of me and they're doing all the pregame and then the match starts and it goes and it's like this content is not available in your region. I was like, I have an idea. (laughs) (laughs) So then I just fired up my express VPN on the phone, reset the (laughs) reset the app. Boom. Footy coverage right there on my phone. 
There are hundreds of VPNs out there. ExpressVPN is ridiculously fast. So when you want to watch the footy, you get no buffering, no lag, and you can stream in HD. And ExpressVPN is compatible with all of your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So you can watch what you want, wherever you want. If you go to expressvpn.com slash penaddict, you can get three extra months of ExpressVPN for free. Support this show, watch what you want, and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash penaddict. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, ready, ready for some OSTPA? Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's see what we got here. I was very prepared for these last week. Mm-hmm. Um, as in I had read them all and like kind of had an idea for the answers because I, I don't always write down the answers for the STPA ahead of time, but I was prepared last week and then we didn't have time to get to them. And so I don't know how I'm going to answer them this week. So let's see what we got. I see. The first one comes from Jonathan. I was listening to you both give advice about nibs on a recent episode when it occurred to me that Japanese pens are designed to write for Japanese script, as are German pens for German script. The Japanese government reformed the Japanese writing system in 1900, and many pen companies were founded soon after this date. So are Pilot, Sailor, and Platinum nibs designed for Japanese writing only, or does a fountain pen nib serve many languages? This is a very good observation, Mike. And also, like, um, a thing that I didn't know and now makes perfect sense. I just thought it was a preference thing. But no, it's right. actually to aid in the representation of the characters of the language. Exactly. So the Japanese characters are intricate, oftentimes small and mm-hmm. intricate. So you need, therefore, you need a small and intricate nib to write those characters. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the Japanese manufacturers made pins accordingly. Like... The posting nib that I use that Pilot makes is one of those results of, you know, making a nib for a need, even though nowadays it's not very useful um, in a wide ranging manner at the time, like in the 1930s, it was. So, yes, at the time, that was exactly why these nibs were made. These days, the way that Jonathan puts it at the end does a fountain pen nib serve many languages? Of course. Like, you can use any nib for anything. Um, you know, you don't have to buy a German nib to write script, right? You can write script with your extra fine Japanese. You just have to, extra fine Japanese nib, you just have to understand the expectation of what that nib was mostly made for, which is tiny, uh, finer writing. Um, but there's no um, regional preference to nibs these days you just have to find something that's based on your handwriting style but that is why they were made in the first place ryan asks do you have a pen that you'd call a problem child something that you love to use but causes some issues currently i do not but if you go back i don't know 200 250 episodes i had a problem with my Lamy 2000 um that was a problem child nib for me that i took to that i had the nib worked on twice just to get it into a place that I liked. So that was a problem for me at the time. And, you know, that's one of those things like there's two schools of thought with that. It's like one, I bought a pen. I paid a lot of money for it. It should work perfectly to my expectations from the beginning. And that's a totally valid point of view. The second is... Fountain pens are the most customizable writing instrument on the market. If it's not perfect right out the box, I can get it that way by, well, paying more money to be perfectly clear. Um, And that's a perfectly valid thing too. So I was not, I knew going into buying a Lamy 2000 that I was, the nib was going to be too wide for me. And then I got it ground down and it still wasn't good enough. And I got it ground down some more. So that was a problem in that I could I felt like I couldn't get it right to fit me. But I was aware of what I was getting into, right? I don't have one now that I use regularly that I know is going to hard start or the nib's going to skip or the ink flow is you know, too wet or too dry. I guess I've probably natural selection those pens out. Um, do you have anything that you have that a pen that you love that you just consistently have an issue with? My Aurora Flex. You know, I said this really? on the show before. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think that the Flex nib just sometimes doesn't work with my handwriting style. That's that's so right. It takes a little time to get it get it going. 
Yeah, um, it's probably an angle thing, yeah, right? Yeah, that's I a very particular. Mm-hmm. But that, yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good good thing to to bring up is you know when you get into different styles of nibs, and we actually have a, a question I think towards the end here, if we'll get to it, uh, about different styles of nibs for particular types of handwriting. Um, that that changes everything, right? Like the angle you hold the pen for a flex nib is going to change how that pen operates on the page. Yep. Adam asks, uh, I'm heading to the Philly Pen Shop, just like Brad, and wanted some advice. In the past year, I've built out a pretty solid set of fountain pens that include three large Sailor 1911s of medium nibs, one standard 1911 with a medium nib, a pilot vanishing point of a fine stub nib by Mark Bacchus, uh, a Lamy 2000 Extra Fine, a handful of Toosby Ecos of multiple sizes, and a Retro 51 of a Franklin Christoph EF Signature Nib. Oh, interesting. I'm trying to decide what my next pen purchase should be. I want to try to find it at the pen show. Any recommendation on a brand that I should check out or a different nib size or style? I write mostly in field notes, tomorrow paper, and on rodeo paper. I tend to prefer fine to medium in my nibs. So this is very much my cataloging of pen styles mm-hmm. and shapes and models. And if I like all of these pens, what other pens do I like that kind yep. of complement the things I already have? And yep. there's two that stand out to me. It would be a Pelican M600 or 800 with an extra fine nib. Anything wider than that um, will have to be modified for me. I, I'm saying this for me because this is a very much me list. So maybe you'll like the same types of things. So I would look at that because the fit and feel of a Pelican is unlike any other. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a really unique set of circumstances that came together to make a really excellent, excellent quality pen. The second thing would probably be like an Aurora Optima also with an extra fine nib. Their nibs are a little bit different. They're very firm. It depends if you like a firm nib. Um, It might be too firm for you, but I like the style. Um, Both of those are piston fillers, which, you know, it doesn't look in checking back through the list. Um, Yeah, the Eco and the Lamy 2000 are both piston fillers. So I would have said maybe to give Franklin Kristoff a look. Yeah. Yeah, and so those are good. And then, like, the third thing I'd look at is when you're starting to get into your custom makers. Um, You know, you can find some really pretty hand-turned acrylics that, you know, complement the style that you find in your other pens. You know, like your, I don't know who else, I haven't even looked at the vendor list um, in Philly, but um, I'll certainly be there to help you out if you want to hunt me down and corral me. We can go shopping. All right, our next question comes from Zach. I've been considering getting a Japanese gold nib pen, and I was wondering which of the major brands you'd recommend. I'm an extra fine nib person, and I have a Franklin Christoph Model 2 in extra fine that I use as my everyday pen, which I like quite a bit, and I also have a Metropolitan, Pilot Metropolitan Fine that I like as well. I do really like fine lines, ideally a bit finer than both of the previous pens even, but I also really dislike scratchiness. Oh boy, Zach, you're getting into an interesting territory here. Uh, I would rather it be a touch too broad to get some smoothness if that's necessary. That makes me assume that I should typically go for an F nib in whatever I get as opposed to an EF, an extra fine, though I'd love your thoughts here. I've considered the Sailor Pro Gear Slim, the Platinum 3776, and some Pilot models. Which model or brand would you recommend based on that, and what nib size would you recommend? Can I give this one a shot, Brad? You can, because I think there's only one answer for this. Platinum 3776 and an extra fine. If you're going to like any of them, I feel like that's probably going to be the best one. Like, that, I think that, because Platinum nibs are so freaking fantastic, that if you want to try, go for the extra fine there. But I would also say, as an owner of a fine Sailor Pro Gear Slim, like, that is a super fine line and it's smooth. I can tell you that from my own personal experience. Um, but if you want to give the extra fine a go, I would say the 3776. Tell me if I'm wrong. Well, we're just going to make it hard for Zach because I think the only answer here is a pilot fine nib. Okay. Sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I love how the platinum 3776 nibs feel on the page. They are not scratchy by any stretch, but there is feedback on the page. Um, I don't know how to describe it in words, but it feels very different than a pilot fine nib where a pilot fine nib just is like glass across the page. 
Platinum 3776 is like um, a very nice, high-quality lead pencil across yeah. the page. People There's should listen to you more difference. Here. You know the fine nibs. I'm just going to um, like, if I, if you were going to give it a go, that's where I feel safer. But mm-hmm. but I get you. You should follow Brad's yeah. advice. This is, I mean, if the question was posed differently, the pilot wouldn't be in the consideration, right? But if you're very concerned about how the scratchiness is going to be, like Sailor Extra Fines can get scratchy. but they're also smooth and firm. The pilot has kind of the best of all worlds for this particular question. And I think the pilot 14 K F nibs in whichever model you want to get is the nib answer to this question. All right, and our final question today comes from Martin. Uh, Over the holiday season, I saw something from Lama on Instagram about the left-handed nib. As a lefty, I have wondered if left-handed nibs really make a difference. In the Lamy note, they talk about how lefties have a tendency to turn their grip slightly, which turns the nib and lessens ink flow. This has happened to me for a while now, especially when I write with some of my pens. I thought it was just me and my writing style, and I am an underwriter. Do you know if this is a thing common among lefties? Do the lefty nibs make a difference, or should I get my nibs adjusted to account for my grip? Uh, I think like the answer is like yes to all of it. Mm. So... Left-handed people, I think, do have much more of a variance in the way that they hold their pens, right? Like, it seems to be a thing. Um, I don't... I have a a Lamy left-handed nib, but I have yet to use it. There is a pen coming into my life at some point that I will be trying it with, and I haven't done that yet. Um, But my feeling should be get your pens adjusted. Get the nibs adjusted. Like, that's just a good piece of advice for anyone when you get to a certain point. But my feeling is especially if you're left-handed because you can end up with some weird inconsistencies. Yeah, I think adjusting them is fine based on how you hold and write the pen because I do agree with you that I, there there just has to be more angle variance with left-handed writers. But I don't necessarily think you have to get them ground into like the oblique style to have a great writing experience. No, I they think sometimes a, just needs a little yeah, tuning. They need adjustment and tuning, but you don't have to necessarily go as far. Like I think the the you I think you will probably enjoy the Lamy left-handed grip, but I mean the left-handed nib. But you're not going to say, oh, this is a lifesaver, and I need all my nibs to feel like this now from now on here henceforth. Um, I just don't think those nibs work in that manner. They provide something different and it may be perfect for you, but I think standard nibs with a slight modifications, adjustments and tuning is, is probably the way to go. All right, if you would like to send in a question for us to answer on a future episode, just send out a tweet with the hashtag AskTPA or you can email them to hello at penaddict.com. Uh, on our next episode, Adina's going to be back to the joy of our listeners and Woo-hoo. to us too as well. We love having Adina, my wife, on the show. Uh, and she's going to be going over what's been happening in her pen and paper life since we last had her on the show after the uh, San Francisco pen show. So I-, I know from being in the same home as her that she uses her stuff a lot. So I'm sure that <laughs> I'm gonna be, we're going to be hearing a lot about what that's like. So you can look out for that next time. If you want to find our show notes for this week, go to relay.fm slash penaddict slash 392. You can find Brad online at penaddict.com and knock.co. Go ahead over there now and buy your wonderful pen cases to put all your pens in. Uh, Thanks to our friends over at Warby Parker and ExpressVPN for the support of this episode. And thank you for listening. And we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad.